on, everybody? My name is Nathan Seiler. You are listening to Iron Sharpens Iron. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined right alongside your other host, Dominic Appleton. So happy to be here today, especially because we have the pleasure of talking to our friend, Lauren. Lauren, please give us an introduction. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Lauren. I'm currently living in Madison, Wisconsin. Crazy to be here with Nathan, uh, but great to be with all of you sharing part of my story in this podcast. Lauren, it is fantastic to uh, to see you this evening. And um, it's funny because this week in Madison, uh, <laughs> I think the average temperature uh, was probably about negative 11 degrees. So do you still have all of your fingers? Um, I still have all my fingers, <laughs> all of my toes. Uh, <laughs> so I did run this week. And did you really? I thought that my legs were just gonna I was like feeling my legs and there was a moment when I'm like I can't feel my legs and I got a little but they're all good yeah it's funny whenever you're you're just you know running along and then you you lose a major limb like a leg you know you're just like all right well there's Madison for you you know what I mean it just literally freezes up on you um no it's it's funny because uh we did the frozen lake 5k um yesterday which was really cool um but the one thing that we um, have shared in Madison, we'll just say that um, that has been really influential in my own life and um, yeah, just really changed my life was frozen donuts. Um, and so Lauren introduced me to these. Um, and if you've never had a frozen donut, just like, I don't know, stick them in your freezer right now. Um, try them. <laughs> so like, I, I just want to hear, how did you get into frozen donuts? Like who introduced you to these? Like, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah gotta love a frozen donut it will change your life uh, <laughs> but uh so when back in school uh, i don't know if you've heard of there was like the Krispy cream program where if you got an a you would get a donut uh, yeah. on your report card well apparently it also counted for like interim progress reports and so i have two older brothers and we get our six donuts uh eight times a year well that's a lot of donuts and it's a 45 minute drive to go to Krispy Kreme. So we're not going to go there, you know, every day or every so often. So we right. go bring our report cards, get, you know, 18 donuts. Well, we couldn't eat 18 donuts in one sitting or even in one week. So we throw them in the freezer and then baby, you pop those puppies out and they're delicious. Wow. I was going to say, whenever you say you can't eat 18 donuts at a sitting, you're speaking for yourself there, uh, Okay, I, have, I apologize. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to eat right <laughs> uh, But no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the, the the day that you gave us those, I think you literally just set them outside for a while because it's literally that cold in <laughs> Madison. I saw a meme recently where it was like, Wisconsin, where it's warmer in your refrigerator than it is outside. And I was like, that is so true. Um, but kind of on the, the food theme in a way, one thing that um, we've really been able to kind of like truly bond over in, in Madison has been um, the devotion to Our Lady of Guac. Um, and if you've never heard of uh, the devotion to Our Lady of Guacamole, um, I think Lauren can tell you a little bit about it. This is kind of something that has just recently come up, actually. But um, yeah, Lauren, you want to tell us a little bit about it? So, so there's an apparition of Our Lady <laughs> <laughs> uh, Guacamole on Our Lady of Guacalupe. Guadalupe. Uh, <laughs> uh, so ever since then, Nathan's about to make some socks for Our Lady of Guac. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just a wonderful, I mean, what could be better than Our Lady and some guacamole? I don't know. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, it was funny too because uh, this is probably like what two months ago, I think, whenever our lady, like, we celebrated our lady of Guadalupe, and um, which we've we've talked about her on the show before. Is her story is absolutely beautiful, and I was telling somebody, um, happy you know feast day of our lady of Guadalupe, and whenever I was typing out Guadalupe, it wanted to autocorrect to guacamole. Um, and so I almost sent somebody happy feast day of our lady of guacamole. And that just kind of made me laugh. And so we just, I shared that with our Lexio group up here in Madison and it just kind of became a thing. So, um, you might be seeing, um, our lady of guacamole socks, um, you know, floating around here soon, but, uh, praise God. But Lauren, you are from St. Louis, right? Um, and then you moved up here to, um, to work for Epic. Um, so just kind of tell us a little bit about like, yeah, kind of like where you grew up and um, kind of like the transitions that you've had um, in your life. Yeah. Um, so up until really the age of like 10-ish, I spent in Columbia, Missouri. So for all those Mizzou fans out there, definitely hardcore one of those. Uh, and then I moved to Edwardsville, Illinois. So right outside of St. Louis, I like to say on the better half of the Missouri side, um, <laughs> And I, I know that people are going to disagree with me. That's all right. Uh, I always take disagreements. Um, really hot takes here on the podcast today from Lauren. Yeah, people are going to stop listening right this moment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then I went to school out in California, uh, Santa Clara University, a Jesuit school out there. Uh, got my degree in bioengineering. Um, and then I actually entered religious life for a couple of years. Um, spent some time in Philadelphia, some time in, in Uruguay, uh, as the Uruguayans like to say, um, and then recently moved here to uh, Madison just about a year ago. So a lot of movement within the past couple of years. That sounds so cool. <laughs> what was uh, what was U Uruguay like, if I'm saying that correctly? And yeah. That must have been an amazing time over there. Yeah. Uh, I, to be honest, whenever they said, okay, Lauren, you're going to Uruguay, Uruguay. I was like, where's that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my photography is not my strong suit. Uh, but really there, the ministry there, I worked with um, folks experiencing homelessness and really got to build relationships with them. I worked a lot with the migrants um, and I worked with migrants previously in the United States at the uh, Texas-Mexican border. And so just seeing the, the reality of migration there um, and worked with kind of teaching students, playing with students in a, in a poorer neighborhood there. Uh, so the ministry was just phenomenal and also just the country itself. I often say I would love to go back to Uruguay. Uh, just I remember I mentioned I'm a runner and I would just run along. They have what's called a rambla or like sidewalk. And just run along the ocean there and it was just gorgeous beautiful um so still trying and keep in touch with with some of my friends there uh but definitely highly recommend if you ever have the opportunity it's a wonderful place small country only about three million people but beautiful yeah it's crazy too because i remember um this was back i think in october whenever we were on a on a hike and i didn't even know at that point that you had been to uruguay but nevertheless even discerned religious life so it's just so crazy um to like hear your story and just so beautiful too um to hear your your, your kind of discernment through all of that and we hope to kind of hear a little bit about that today um, in the podcast, but yeah, so basically Lauren and I, we met, um, at St. Maria Goretti in, um, in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful parish. 
Um, and so she has to put up with me at our 6.30 a.m. mass groups and in our Lexia groups. So um, she's definitely burning off a lot of pur purgatory time through that. So uh, <laughs> I know my mom pays you. So, you know, That's she, true. Yeah, <laughs> we both got <laughs> exactly i just got my contract renewed um this past week actually so that's that's been really nice so send it say say thank you to your mom for me uh, <laughs> i'm just messing with you um let's go ahead and dive into it here guys um so you are listening to iron sharpens iron um we like to share life we like to share stories we like to share faith in an effort to lead hearts closer to jesus christ um if you are listening to this if you clicked play we just want to say thank you uh from the bottom of our hearts and um, just know that we've been praying for you, that we've been fasting for you, um, for everyone who clicks play on this podcast. But just know how much it means to us um, that you want to hear our stories, that you want to hear um, how Jesus has touched our lives. Um, and we hope that today in this conversation that uh, you're able to experience a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that joy, a little bit of that, um, yeah, just truth and reality that is Jesus. Um, and we just want to say, too, that um, just quick disclaimer that we say before every podcast, but we have to say it is that we are not um, trained spiritual directors at all. Uh, we are not uh, monks or religious, I guess. Well, Lauren was almost um, a sister. Uh, so uh, she has at least a couple of years um, of discernment and um, experience with that, but know that we don't have any degrees or anything like that. These are just personal stories um, of ways that, that God that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit has worked in our lives that we just want to share um, with you, our listeners, and with each other. So um, just take it to prayer. If there's something that does touch your heart, um, we just ask that you uh, do that. So um, once again, thank you. Uh, we have a social media page. If you would like to follow us, please give us a follow. It's Iron Sharpens Iron Ave. We do a, a rosary on there every week. Um, so please join us. Please, please, please join us. You know, the power of the rosary is just so, so, so powerful. Um, and so we would love to have more people join us at 5.45 a.m. Central. That's every week on Instagram Live. And also, if you want to rate, please rate. If you want to subscribe, please subscribe. And if you have any feedback um, or if you want to join the show one day, please let us know. You can reach us on the Instagram page or I'm sure somebody out there has our numbers. So um, just reach out to somebody. <laughs> uh, anywho. Um, all that said, let's go ahead and dive into some glory stories. Lauren, do you want to kick us off today? Yeah. Um, so one of the things today, I was uh, I was able to visit my brother and sister-in-law in Milwaukee. And so I went to mass with them this morning, which was just a really great blessing. Um, and I just received the Eucharist and I was coming back and I was kneeling in the pew and I just started bawling. Um, and I think one of the things that we're kind of all learning and discussing is like vocation. And yeah. one of the things I was just kneeling there and there was just this incredible sense of like peace and just this inner sense of you're living your vocation every single day. And I think that that can be a challenge of somebody who doesn't necessarily know what that big V vocation is and just that invitation and just that recognition and so I was there just bawling. One of my friends had joined me for mass uh, this morning. But it was just such a glorious moment to just recognize and to sit in this beautiful reality that we're each called to and that we can just simply be present to and continuing to pay attention to those invitations. And so that was just a really big affirmation this morning uh, of like, Lauren, you're, you're living your vocation every single day. You don't need to wait 
to some moment in your life to feel like now I can finally live my vocation. Wow, I love that. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Oh my gosh, I, 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 I'll be honest, I have so many questions for you, Lauren, that it's hard for me to wait until we get to the, the question part of the podcast. But, um, but that's, I, I love that. And uh, that is one thing that I do a lot. I know so many people, people do is get caught up in just until I get this thing done, just until I get that thing done, just when I get here, I'll be happy. Or just when I get here, I'll be at peace. And you just, people can, I've run a lot of my life thinking that if I just cross the next corner, everything is going to be so much easier. And that is a, a trick from the enemy because what did you just do? You received Jesus. He doesn't want your mind anywhere but on him because he is with you and that is heaven it's meeting earth and that's the that is your vocation to love him that's why we're here is to love him and and so it's just so beautiful to realize that and then you can be at peace like you said and not worry about crossing some uh, t's and dotting some i's and just um being loved by the father and just knowing that that's where why we're here you know at the end of the day and so i love that that's just so beautiful um and yeah and and i think to talk about your vocation, I cried right straight with crooked lines. My mom was all, also almost sister. And so she's, she's been all over the place too in Europe. And, um, and yeah, I'm just learning that every little step is, is led by God and just made her just such a powerful and holy person and the mother that she is today, which is great. And so thank you, mom. I love you. But yeah, so it's just awesome to see how people go through their life. And there's so many stories that I can't wait to hear for me super quick. Cause I spent a lot of time debriefing your um, glory story. <laughs> But, uh, but mine is just, I was reading uh, a little bit more of uh, St. Francis Sales, Introduction to the Devout Life. Um, kind of wanted to stop listening to it. I listened to it on audiobook while I work. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay, maybe I could just listen to something else that'll be a little bit more fruitful. And that's usually when, like, right after that, like, boom, something awesome happens. And, uh, and so he was talking about just virtues and how, like, at times this world caused us to see, like, courage and, like, being loud and in charge and like leadership as like the most important forefront of all the virtues. And, and those are good. Don't get me wrong. He was like, those are like the comets that like look cooler as they cross by, but the stars out in the distance are so much more powerful and they're everlasting. And he was like, those are like humility, you know, patience, things that you have to enact every single day. You know, you might not get too many chances to be super courageous, but you get chances every day to be humble and to be um patient and to be kind and to be meek like jesus and so just learning that like that's what he's training me to do um and so to take comfort in that and to pray for humility and to learn to prepare my heart for that i think is was really cool and I'm, I'm praying through that for sure dude yes absolutely oh my gosh it's so beautiful because i was actually just talking to a, um, a focused missionary at focused missionary up here, uh, Noah Joseph, he was talking about that, how like our spiritual lives are like rooted in virtue and like how somebody can say, oh yeah, I, you know, pray two holy hours a day, but also I hit the snooze button, you know, seven times. It's like, well, let's, let's work on that first, right? Let's work on like, you know what I mean? Or like, you know what I mean? I, I, I might lead a Bible study, but you know, before that I was, I was late because I was eating, you know, seven bowls of ice cream. You know what I mean? That might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but still, right? Like we can, we can focus on all of these things that might look cool or like might be really flashy, but really at the end of the day, like, all these little things um, that really grow us closer to Jesus, right? Like those are the things that we overlook. And so um, also just, you know, props to you, man, for like wanting to continue learning. Um, Cause I think there's, there's a, 
the temptation of like, oh my gosh, like I already know like everything there is to know, or, um, you know, I don't need the Bible. I already know who Jesus is, whatever it is, or, you know what I mean? Or like, wow, this, this saint wrote this really beautiful work, but I, I may not have the time or whatever. It's like being able to just sit down and realize like in your humility, like there's so much I have to learn here. Um, let me dive into it a little bit. Um, and there's so many, so many great resources, um, out there. Uh, so many great books by the saints. Um, there's always something to learn. There's always something to continue striving for. So just, um, keep up the good work, man. Seriously. Um, yeah, dude, I'm going to hop into my glory story here super quick. Um, so earlier, I guess this was like a few weeks ago now, um, Carly and I, we decided, uh, we wanted to watch something. And again, we're on a dating fast and everything. And uh, we, we decided we wanted to watch like an episode of something every week. And I don't have Netflix. I don't have Hulu. I don't have, you know, any of those platforms. So we were like, well, what's something that we could like watch, you know, for free. And we realized, oh, The Chosen is a free, like online, you just go to the website, you can watch episodes totally for free. And let me tell you something else. If you have never watched The Chosen, like this evening, carve out time to watch it with your family, with your kids. It will change your life. Um, it was, I mean, even the from the first, very first episode, and it just keeps getting better from there. I mean, it just, it captivates you. But the way that they portray Jesus and just the way that he um, speaks to his apostles, to his disciples, to Mary Magdalene, to, Nic to Nicodemus, like, and it's so rooted in scripture. That's the thing is like, you'll see these like, you know, these, these portrayals right of these biblical scenes and you're you realize that they're using the actual words from the bible but they're portraying it in such a beautiful and realistic way and so you're able to like you know we, we talk about in like lexio divina right lauren like you're putting yourself there like with jesus on the mm -hmm. hill or like listening to his teachings or on the boat whatever it is and then you get to like actually see it because i'm a very visual person right mm -hmm. And so like one of the, one of the recent episodes, I'll, I'm not going to like ruin anything, but basically he invites, he invites Matthew right into the, um, uh, and he's a tax collector. Nobody likes him, right? Like he's very hated by society. And so like, you know, Peter is very like zealous. He's like, oh yeah, Jesus, I'm going to defend you and everything like this. And then like Jesus invites this guy who nobody likes, like literally everybody hates Matthew. He invites him in, you know, into the group of like, you know, apostles that he's, he's kind of building up. And Peter just like looks at Jesus. He's like, dude, you don't know, you don't know what you're doing, right? Like you, you invited us, like we're, we're, you know, like kind of outcasts, like we're, we're kind of poor or whatever, but like, this guy's different. Like this guy is, he's evil. He doesn't know what's good. He's different. And like, Jesus like looks at him and he's like, I think you better get used to different. And I was just like, oh man. So just like little moments like that, like in the chosen that just like literally take your breath away. So good. Like the woman at the well this week was just beautiful. So I just wanted to like kind of use that as my glory story this week of just like being able to like, I don't know, and praise God that like Angel Studios did put this series together because I know so many people who have watched it. It is so stunning. So that's my glory story for the week. That it was, it's just beautiful. So Wow, dude. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's already impacting me because I'm going to watch that with Sarah. Gosh darn it. That is awesome. So you've already touched my heart. Nate, so Shabbat cast done. We can just sign off right now. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. We got, we got some more to talk about, but dude, praise God. That sounds so sweet.
Lauren, you were shaking your head. Did you have you watched it? I've watched some of the episodes okay. and they they're just really excellent because they put sometimes like really things that are like, oh, I can't really imagine that. Like I didn't live in Jesus's time. And they just make it concrete. And you're like, oh, I can relate to that character. Or oh, that person's like this character in my life. And it becomes like our reality, not like some reality of people 2000 years ago. And yeah. I think that has the power to transform in a way that really moves us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I also, I, I think The Chosen is wonderful and, and really well put together. Really well put together, hands down, just absolutely beautiful. The other thing, uh, and then Dom, you can pray. So I was talking to Wade Brokamp earlier today. We had him on the show, talked about prayer. It was beautiful. Um, and I wanted to give him a shout out today because uh, we, were t- we were having a conversation and uh, he said that your glory story is always what you're drinking. And um, tonight I'm drinking a nice old fashioned that I put together. So Wade, that one's for you. It's very glorious, by the way. I, I think I'm going to be a professional bartender one day, Dom. So uh, just throwing that out. Awesome. Wow. Praise God. Wade, what's up, dude? We, we're praying for you, bro. Okay, sweet. Let's um, let's pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, hi, Jesus. Hi, Mary. Mary, come, Mother, come. The Holy Spirit, open our hearts and uh, allow us to hear your word tonight. Um, thank you for Nate. Thank you for Lauren. Thank you for all of our listeners. Thank you for all of the yeses that they have made um, to get themselves just to just to listen to this podcast or to be on this podcast. Uh, thank you for loving us so completely and so fully um, and, and individually. And, and thank you for giving us tiny little glimpses of how much you love us and tiny little glimpses of how much you love those around us so that we can love those people as well. Um, Lord Jesus, Keep our hearts pure. Keep our hearts fixated on you. Um, the waves may crash about around us, but if our eyes are on you, we will stay secure. We will stay full, and we will find our way to our heavenly home. And Lord Jesus, uh, you see in secret, and you repay in secret. Um, every little difficulty um, that we face throughout our day, help us to give that up to you. Help us to save souls in purgatory and save the, um, and bring the souls of those around us closer to you um, through the little difficulties that we can give up to you and make our life a, a never-ending prayer. Um, we can only do this um, when we consecrate it through your mother. So, Mary, please pray for us. Please be with us and nurture us and teach us how to be your, um, your son's disciples. Oh, Jesus, this is going to be so awesome. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, Lauren, let's do this. Um, Tell us about your faith and why you love Jesus. Yeah, uh, I was reflecting on this earlier. Um, I think the, the one piece, right, everybody has kind of like, why are you Catholic? Uh, and for me, probably no surprise, but it's the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly, it's it's adoration. And so growing up, um, right, I had a lot of great friends and I had, I did well academically, I did well in sports. And yet there was just this deep loneliness, this deep sense of like emptiness. And often what I would do is I would just go to our church when I was old enough to drive 
Uh, before that, I'd make my mom drive me and I would just sit in front of the tabernacle. And I just, that helped me develop just like an intimate relationship with God. And so many times, probably half the times, I would just be crying. Right, God, why do I feel this way? God, why can't I just fit in with all the other girls my age or whatever? And it was just this place for me to be real. And so whenever I think of that question of like, what does faith mean to you? But particularly like, why are you Catholic? Or how has God transformed your life? It's really come through that space of, of adoration, of God like intimately staring at me and me intimately staring at him. And when I think of like, this one of the most single, like most beautiful gifts that we can give our church, right? As people of who are religious, it is it's been that sacrament of or that, that sacrament of Eucharist, uh, particularly in adoration. And so that just continues to transform me, continues to teach me how to rest, how to be still. Uh, and just for me, when I think of this question, where do I feel most fully loved? Where do I feel I can most authentically be myself? Where can I feel most free? It is always just in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And so having that opportunity is just something that has transformed me throughout my time in high school. And then in, in religious life, adoration was part of our uh, daily prayer life. And then now having that opportunity in Madison, it's just something consistent that I encounter an intimate God and a God that wants to know me, my joys, my sorrows. And it's just there that I can just be present. And that's what I just find so beautiful about the Catholic faith, uh, of this living and breathing Jesus that wants to be in relationship with me. Uh, not this faraway God that, yeah, set everything into motion, but like, yeah, God's right here. And I can talk to him as a father, as a friend, as a brother, and just listen. And that's just been so transformative in my life. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That was beautiful, Lauren. <laughs> so, first of all, I didn't even know, like, your relationship with the Eucharist was so deep and profound. Um, it's just beautiful to hear that. Um, and what you said there about it's just your place um, where you can come and be real. Um I think that is like one of the deepest desires on the human heart. Um, even in like relationship with like friends, family, um, maybe a girlfriend or a boyfriend is like, if you're going to be fake with that person for like the, your entire life, like there's, that's not a healthy relationship. Like you have to be able to come to that relationship and, and to be yourself. And um, there's a level of vulnerability there. Right. in uh, coming in front of the Eucharist and, and giving Jesus the things that maybe are hurting you, um, the things that uh, maybe are on your heart that you don't want to share with people or that are bugging you, maybe even about yourself. Uh, and just realizing that he is he's there. And he's waiting for you. <laughs> uh, he's called you into that relationship. And what you said there, oh, my gosh, relationship with me, um, because it's like it was weird. I was I was listening to a uh, I think it was a father, Mike or Bishop Robert Barron um, homily recently, where he was talking about how it's like, the the reality is, is like, Jesus has a relationship with all of us. So like, what makes me special, right? And there's this, I think it's a, maybe a, a passage in Revelation, but basically it's like, I have, I have called you by name, right? Like Jesus has given you a name. He loves you in a very unique way, right? He loves Dom. 
I think anyway, I think he loves Dom, <laughs> right? He loves you, Lauren. He loves me. And it's, it is this like self-giving, just total and complete love. It's also very unique, a very personal type of love that we can only experience from him. Um, so that was just absolutely beautiful. And it's just like you're like how to rest and be still. Gosh, so good. So kind of building on that a little bit. Um, I don't know. Well, Dom and I, we spent a week in Peru. Um, and so we were in South America for a week, but we were not there for a year. And so I was wondering, like, your trip to Uruguay and um, your discernment of religious life, just how did that, I guess, kind of shape your heart in a way? And maybe how did it, it build on that love of the Eucharist that you already had? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, so I wasn't there for a year. I was there for only a couple of months. Um, I think one of the blessings of religious life is, for me, I, I mentioned this aspect of coming in front of the Eucharist, bringing the entirety of myself and feeling like I can be incredibly authentic and free in front of the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things about religious life as well is you see parts of yourself that you never saw before. And a lot of those are like thorns that you get to see and that are revealed and that you have the opportunity to do something with. And so in my time in, in Uruguay, just seeing different realities, a, a different way in which the church is lived out, uh, which is different than how it is here in the United States. And to feel the energy of, of my community, of the religious community, of the Catholic church in, in Uruguay, of there were, it was a very international community, so of the other folks there. Um, but I think a lot of the discernment for me, um, at least coming out, was by far the hardest thing that's ever happened in my life. And right for, for months on end, my entire prayer was kneeling in front of my little prayer quarter, just crying. And, and that was really tough. Uh, having hope in a space like that can be really tough of how do I process this? How do I allow myself to see some of these limitations, some of these insecurities and bring them to the Lord? Uh, and allow him to transform them. But also I think for some, one of the first times of my life to allow myself to be present to the hurt, the challenges that I've been struggling with my entire life and just to sit with those. Um, I feel like it's so easy to, uh, to push it away, to say, oh, I'm just gonna hang out with another friend or oh, I'm gonna watch another show of Netflix or I'm gonna find some distraction. Uh, and like to give myself that space, which was incredibly difficult of just allowing myself to feel that, that pain, that hurt, and know that that wasn't going to be the end. And throughout that entire journey, a lot of my prayer, every, even today, the, the thing that I end with, no matter if I'm leaving mass or whatever, is God, I give you my life. May it always be for your greater glory. And that sense of Lord, I'm giving you the brokenness that I am. I'm giving you the hurt that I'm feeling. But I know that it's not just my happiness. It's not just my joy that can glorify you. It can also be like just growing in this intimacy of, of who I am and naming my own limitations and weaknesses and, and growing from that. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Zacchaeus. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I guess one of the questions, uh, I was doing some Lexio Divina on it one morning, and I just came across this realization, like, if Zacchaeus wouldn't have been short, would there have been a Bible story about it? And just this sense of, 
it was that limitation that led him to go climb up a tree and have this encounter with Jesus. And just this realization, if he thought, man, I'm really tall, I don't need that. Great. There probably wouldn't be a Bible story. And so I think for myself, just recognizing that invitation of how can these limitations, how can these insecurities, how can naming these fears allow you to overcome them or allow you to grow in intimacy with the word through them? And so this past year, to be honest, has been incredibly difficult, but it's also been held so firmly by like a sense of growing and freedom and of peace and of joy. And I often like to think of my life in dichotomies, but the real grace has been able to be in hold, being able to hold like the hurt and gratitude at the same time. I look at where I am now. And if somebody would say, Lauren, based on the challenges and the struggles that you've gone through both in religious life and out of religious life, would you do it again? And I would say absolutely in a heartbeat because my time in religious life completely changed me. I pray differently. I love differently. I live differently because of what those teach, because of what those sisters taught me, right? They were some of my greatest teachers. And now as well in, in leaving religious life, also coming to see a different side of myself and growing in intimacy with Christ and perhaps seeing and living into more of who the crucified Christ is and allowing that experience to help me become a healthier version of myself and recognizing, okay, how can I take care of my mental health? How can I take care physically of my health, of my social health and having the opportunity to do that? And so I think this, this journey of discernment, right? You don't go on a first date with somebody and say, oh my gosh, uh, I'm either going to marry them or I'm not like it's a journey <laughs> of like slowly getting to know them and slowly your heart being revealed and their heart being revealed uh, and, and a beautiful and challenging journey and one that continues to both bring us closer to Christ and this journey of discernment in of which was incredibly transformative and incredibly uh, filled with grace and movement and this time as well now being a 24 year old and going out to dance and uh, right playing with my friends and uh, hanging out with Nathan, um, but also getting to experience that space and, and saying, how is God inviting me to live my vocation now where I am exactly in Madison with my job? Uh, and I think that's just been a really important part of my journey of saying, yeah, I had this, this challenging and, and graceful experience in both Philadelphia as well as in Uruguay. Uh, and, and that was a time that taught me a lot. And so has this time been. Uh, and continuing to listen to where is that discernment continuing to take me and how am I paying attention uh, to those movements, to those invitations and presenting those to the Lord uh, and being courageous in, in acting in those. So it's definitely been a journey. Uh, if anybody's discerning religious life out there, it's, it's challenging, but it's so worth it. Uh, discerning a, a religious vocation uh, is filled with so much grace. And I guarantee you that no matter if you enter religious life or leave religious life or take vows for religious life, the entire process will continue to mold and transform your heart to be more like Christ's. And ultimately, that is our purpose in life. And so have so to have that experience has just been a real blessing uh, in my life. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> wow, Lauren. Oh my goodness. I don't know how I can recap all of that except for just to say, praise God. That is awesome. And I just um, commend you on your courage 
um, and listening to God's voice because it's hard. It's hard to discern out of something that you've um, been in for a while and it's, it's a big commitment and then um, it takes a lot of courage. And uh, I just I just love how, you, how you've gone about that. And I, I love how you've embraced the dichotomies in your life. And, and you've tied yourself to the eternity that is God's glory. Um, because when you do that, it's just, it's just um, the yoke is easy and the burden is light from then on out. And so that's just so beautiful. Um, yeah, I, there, I, I just, instead of listening to a recap for me, why don't you just rewind five minutes and just replay that over again? Because that was beautiful. Um, but so in terms of living out your, your vocation right now, um, you're involved with an organization called Eggpreneur. Um, and so... Tell us about that. So social entrepreneurship is involved. I think that's what this is. I don't know anything. I think Nate knows more than I do, but that's why I'm excited to listen. So please tell us all about it. Yeah. So when I was in college, I mentioned that I studied bioengineering, uh, loved it. Uh, often it was actually through bioengineering concepts uh, or just math and science concepts that I made these incredible analogies with my faith uh, and found that that's how I grew in relationship with God. And so I was studying this and I loved it. Uh, and I took a class kind of out of the blue called Intro to Social Entrepreneurship and never heard of the thing in my life. Uh, entrepreneurship for me just spoke of make a bunch of money and that wasn't my priority in life. And so uh, I took this class and the very first day, uh, the professor, Dr. Michelle Stecker said, this class will change your life. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. And by the end of that class, I felt that my mind was just blown open and that my heart had completely changed to this other possibility. So what is social entrepreneurship? Uh, I like to think of it as businesses rather than being profit-driven or socially impact-driven. So they go in really for a social impact purpose. Um, and so similar to like charities, right, where they, they donate money, they collect donations, they give them out for charitable causes, it's similar in that sense of, of the social impact, but the focus of social enterprises is to create sustainable change. So mm -hmm. they can't be completely reliant on donations, uh, which allows for the business model, thinking, right, we have two business majors right here, but thinking about, right, how do we reimagine what a business model could look like in order for this to be sustainable? And a lot of it means empowering the people. Right. Rather than giving money out, it's how can we employ them in some sort of job where they're going to learn learn skills and be able to go and do whatever they do. And so that was kind of the premise. Um, and I fell in love with it, uh, even with looking at social enterprises in the U.S. internationally and recognizing the impact that they've already had, even in a very new field. Uh, it's only been maybe like 25, 30 -ish years old. And so the following year, I was able I was selected as a what we call a global social benefit fellow. Uh, and it's a nine month journey process of working with an international social enterprise and doing action research to help uh, their cause in whatever way that may be. And so my particular organization, social enterprise that I was partnered with was a social enterprise called Eggpreneur. You're like, Lauren, did you, did you mean to say entrepreneur there? No, Eggpreneur. Um, and so their goal is they taught women to be poultry farmers. And so that poultry farming, obviously, um, we're looking at health of, of children, of families. We're looking at economically empowering women and also just increasing the household income. Uh, it's funny because part of this, right, this nine-month fellowship, 
about the first three to four months is, is all researching, getting to know all the nitty gritties of what social entrepreneurship is, what their social enterprise is, why they made this decision, why they didn't make this decision, like getting to know everything that you possibly could about what social entrepreneurship is and what this particular social enterprise's mission is and how we're being invited to help them grow in that mission. Because ultimately, when they send us to the field, and so I had the opportunity to, to go to Kenya for a couple of months, uh, we don't go with like a day-by-day -day itinerary. We go with, with questions, with research questions. And we're really just given a bunch of tools to say, great, uh, go where you need to go, do what you need to do. And so there has to be first a trust of we know what we're doing and we know the people that we need to talk to, the places in Kenya that we need to go in order to gather the information to then give our deliverables back once we return to the United States. And so it's funny because I arrive in Kenya and, you know, they're like, oh, you're a professional poultry farmer. You came to help us. And I'm thinking to myself, I've never touched a chicken in my life. This is going to be a problem. Um, but my focus when I was there was how can we help uh, women's religious communities, right? religious congregations adopt this model of eggpreneur, adopt different models of social enterprises, because necessarily unlike perhaps in the United States, in Kenya, there are a lot of women entering different religious congregations. And the question is, well, how do they sustain themselves with 20, 30 young women entering each year? And part of that is how do we find a sustainable solution for them to financially uh, sustain themselves but also how can they create greater impact in their communities? And so the model of eggpreneur, which was the model that eggpreneur was adapting, was they're going to uh, sell maybe like one week old to one month old chicks to local women in the community. And then the local women, they would grow those chickens, or grow the chicks to become chickens, either for chicken meat or for eggs. And then they would automatically guarantee the market back uh, because the sisters had hospital schools in which they would buy back whether that was eggs or meat um, for the children in their schools, for the elderly sisters in their homes. And yet the women, right, now had a job. They had some sort of money to take care of their families, to take care of sending their kids to school, all of those pieces. So it really empowered both the women, but as well as now the, the religious congregation themselves could financially sustain themselves, right? As they had an increasing number of, of young women want to join. And, and so just that model uh, of trying to reimagine how can this create social impact and also financially uh, be sustainable, which is I think is a really difficult problem that we face uh, with a lot of just NGOs and, and organizations that have great desires and missions but may, maybe not have the donations that they once had. Uh, but I think one of the things that really touched me is during my time uh, working with Eggpreneur, I lived with the sisters for uh, a little bit of that, about half of it. And then I lived with Matt, who's the CEO of Eggpreneur, uh, for part of it as well, uh, really there to research, great, what is Eggpreneur already doing well? What can it do better? Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, how can we adapt this to the sister's life, to the sister's uh, hierarchy of, you know, superiority and, and all of those religious or financial, all of those different aspects. So I had the opportunity to uh, visit a lot of their schools. 
uh, again, seeing what are the assets already that the sisters have and how can we employ, right, the sisters to collect these eggs and to use in the schools. Um, and we also went, when I was with Matt, we went and visited some of the women that had benefited from eggpreneur. And I think those were just really, really moving stories, uh, right? We went up to a village where couldn't even drive. We had to walk for forever. Uh, but just this woman, it was so strange being in the middle of nowhere and honestly hearing like Justin Bieber playing. And you're like, <laughs> what? What? Um, but, right, this woman being like, now I have electricity in my home. And right, other women saying, now I can finally send my, my children to school. And I went, I met this, this one woman and it was just incredible because you kind of looked out and she really had nothing. Um, one of the things is, right, maybe 10 years ago, all of their land was super fertile and they've been in having a lot of droughts in Kenya. And so all the corn, all the maize, all the crops they used to be able to grow and sell are all now dead. And so there's a real challenge of, well, then what do I make for money? Like, how do I sustain anybody? But there was this one woman and I was like, so how has eggpreneur impacted your life? And she looks at me and she's like, now I can finally have food on my table every single day for my children. And I know that it's going to be there every single day. And just seeing that, seeing the reality of that situation, thinking about just this fact of like, what this means to the family and Right. For me, I think of providing a sense of food, right? It's something that, that I almost don't think of any day. I, I know that I'm going to have food to provide. And so just thinking of that reality and saying, this is a sustainable solution. So she knows every single day she's going to come back to her table and she's going to be able to provide food for her family. And I think just hearing those stories of how entrepreneurs already impacted their lives and hearing other fellows come back from the many countries that they visited and hearing their stories. There's just a special place in my heart for the power of social entrepreneurship and for the way that it can really create transformative change in our world today. Uh, and so I'm just blessed to have had that experience and, and even now to continue to work with religious congregations in Africa, uh, helping to develop these social enterprises, whether it's poultry, whether it's piggery, I've gotten into one of those. Again, learning about all these farm animals I had no, knew nothing about, uh, but it's been a great opportunity just to learn and to see the impact of these different social enterprises and to also see uh, these women religious congregations just make incredible impact in their communities. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Lauren, you are um, absolutely making a difference. And uh, to be honest with you, you had me at poultry farming. So that was <laughs> literally whenever I sent you that that uh, that that text with all the questions, I, I put go chickens with like, 10 exclamation points because I love chickens. Uh, but anywho, oh my gosh, no, what you said there and kind of what hit me as well was like the things that we take for granted, right? You know what I mean? Putting food on the table for yourself or for your family, right? Or uh, I don't know, having money uh, to like send your kids to school or, you know, I don't have kids, but I could imagine, you know, that's something that a lot of people probably uh, take for granted a lot and something that I definitely would. And it's just like being able to like, you know, realize all these little things that I worry about on my day-to-day -day basis, like so like small in regards to like the big, you know, the big things that, you know, God's blessed me with. So just you being able to like help those people out, it's just beautiful. Um, and I was kind of wondering too, um, as you were, as you were kind of describing all that was like, I guess, were they very receptive to the idea? Was there like any pushback or like, yeah, like what was the challenges 
in regards to like kind of implementing this this structure? Many, yeah. many. Um, I often like to say that it felt like I was building an airplane while I was flying it. Um, <laughs> me, me and my research partner. Um, a little bit of a backstory. So where I was sent from was a Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship. So it's part of Santa Clara University, but they accelerate thousands of social enterprises across the world. Um, and so they had come with a partnership. Uh, they were both uh, at the Vatican, the, the CEO of uh, Miller Center, and as well as one of the leaders of, uh, they're, they're known as a Quecca, Association of Catholic Women in Eastern and Central Africa. And so they oversee about 300 religious congregations and about 30,000 uh, religious sisters. And so they met in the Vatican really with this desire of what can we do about their particular need of, hey, we need to financially sustain our communities, but we also want to make a greater impact, as well as the possibility of us being able to accompany them on that journey. And so, um, so right, we come to this conclusion of, okay, Miller Center is going to help, right? Starting off small, we started off with, I think, 10 uh, religious congregations, but saying, how can this spread through the many different communities? But the challenge is, is whenever you think of even just like the church, charity and the charity model is built into kind of what it means to be a good Catholic or to be a good Christian. Oh, you donate money. And so the question is, is, okay, well, what if now rather than just freely giving money to students for school, what if we're now saying, okay, well, we're going to help you create a job so that you can also earn some money to help pay for your fees while also learning more about how to start your own business so you can do that in the future. And so this complete mindset of rather than give outs, give outs, give outs, which is what we're very used to, it was this mindset of how can we empower them and create opportunities for them to do that. And so that mindset change was really, really difficult. I would say also, <laughs> I remember whenever we came, my research partner, Avery and I, the chicks were supposed to arrive on one day. And, you know, we've, we've done our research. We're like, okay, they need, they need this type of food. They need this type of water. They need black shades. And we go to, to the bursar who has the money that's supposed to give us this money to get the feed and all of that. The next day the chicks are coming and she doesn't approve it. And we're like, uh, uh oh, what? Like, we're literally like, I guess we can use the curtains in our room. Like we're trying to brainstorm all these different ideas. And so I think the challenge of like, communicating like what this means and like what are the resources that we actually need this isn't a one woman one sister running the show this really has to be built in the congregation's mission again this isn't just only to financially sustain the congregation that's not the purpose it's also how do we create greater social impact in our communities but trying to get everybody on that same board um was really challenging uh but it was fun like I helped build the poultry house and I vaccinated the chicks and like, right. I got down in the nitty gritty of it as well as reimagining, okay, what is the business model going to look like for this? And how are we going to expand? And so it's crazy because whenever I was there, they started off with 100 chicks. And I recently talked to sister Christine, who was kind of the one that had that for the congregation. And they now had like 3000 chickens. Uh, and so just seeing how they've grown and she talks about all of the women that are now what they call outgrowers that grow the chicks and then, right, sell them back to the congregation was just incredible. 
Um, but because of that, because it was so new, right? Something that you never really imagined. What? Religious sisters having social enterprises? What does that even mean? It was really hard communicating what that is, why, right? Why we feel invited to this, why the leadership of, of Aqueca felt that this should be an initiative um, and making sure that that felt like part of their mission and that the social enterprise mission aligned with the congregation's own mission. Because that was equally as important as anything else that we were doing. Um, but uh, Avery and I had many sleepless nights, I shall say. We had many like, we would do one thing and then the next day we talked to somebody else and then we changed courses 100%. Um, and so I felt like we kept pivoting, uh, which was also just an invitation, even my own life of like, Lauren, you love plans. Holy schmoly, do you love plans and planning out? But like, how flexible can you be to like pivot as the wind blows? Uh, and really taking that to heart in my own personal life and my own personal vo vocation, uh, but really seeing that full force, how do you handle ambiguity in Kenya? Wow, <laughs> join the fellowship and you'll learn pretty quickly. Wow. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, that's, that's incredible. Lauren, you've had an amazing life. I, I, Nate, if you have something to add before I go into the next question, go for it. Or if you want to ask another question, please go. The, the only thing I want to just briefly add to that and what I just think is so incredibly inspirational about your story, Lauren, is, um, we talk to a lot of people about like what the faith is on this show mm -hmm. or like their prayer life or, um, uh, striving for virtue or anything like that. Um, the beautiful thing about this conversation is like, you're not only like thinking about it, you're putting it into action, right? Like that's like, I, I think of like the faith as being something that, that is not idle, right? Like if we are like just sitting still in our faith, like you talked about resting and like being still in the presence of the Eucharist, but like, it's like almost like a call out of just like, oh my gosh, like I've been so moved and so touched. I want to share this with people. I want to serve um we talk about like the corporal works of mercy we were talking about that in um uh, one of our epic uh, cafeteria catholic sessions um was the corporal works i'm just i just love the corporal works of mercy so much i don't do them enough um i need to i need to do more of them but it's just like some of those uh, like clothing the naked or feeding the hungry or um you know giving drink to the thirsty visiting the imprisoned burying the dead like all these things that we are called to do and the things that that give glory to god right um the things that you do for the least of these you do for me um i think that was mother Teresa's like five you know the gospel on on one hand right you did it to me on one hand right that's it um and so just seeing like you not only you know praying about it but also like going to Kenya and like helping these religious sisters who need you um, and who need this service and need this entrepreneurship. Um, but also like that does not like go to say like Kenya is the only place that you can do it. Like everywhere there's need all around us. We just have to be aware of it. So I don't know. That was what it was really inspirational to me. So. Um. Yeah. Ag agreed. Um, <laughs> Lauren, my gosh. Um, I, what comes to mind in my heart is uh, yeah, you judge your faith by your, by your works. I think Paul talks a lot about that and goodness gracious. Yeah. What Nate's saying is a hundred percent, right? All your works, it shows uh, just how strong your faith is and um, how I, I think you're authenticated in, in, in your pursuit of your vocation and in all the ways that you've listened to the Lord. I just want to um, affirm you in that. I think that you're, you're really listening very well to the Lord and, and he, he does, he writes straight with crooked lines and he asks, 
people to do crazy things, you know, like crazy, crazy things. Um, like going on a dating fast, you know, or um, having What's a blast that? in Peru, or um, <laughs> or going to um, you know, Uruguay, or I can't even I can't even say it the way you say it, but Uruguay. <laughs> but that's just that's that's so very beautiful. Um, and so the next question is is shifting gears a little bit. But so I, the last thing about the craziness is it's just the the eternity of God's glory outlasts all of the struggling, all of the uncertainty. And he just gives you the light for the next step. Let's just unite ourselves to the blessed mother, you know, who was concerned about the future. It's concerned that her son was lost. You know, when she was searching for him, when he was in the temple, she was concerned. She wasn't concerned, but she had faith. You know, she had faith. It's when she was watching Jesus go up to the cross and die. She knew that he was going to be the savior, but she didn't know exactly how it was going to play out. She was asked to be like Abraham. But Jesus wasn't going to get saved at the last second by an angel. He was going to go all the way through it. She was offering up her only son. And she was told, like Abraham, that he was going to save the world. Like Abraham's descendants were going to save the world. She had to give this ultimate gift of faith, you know, and let her heart be pierced. And what a beautiful way that you're doing that. And, and I want to follow in that footstep as well. And, you know, just allowing the Lord just to give me enough light for the next step. So I follow in faith and not by sight. So, so beautiful. Um, so great. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit. So now we have to talk about authenticity because I guess that's important to you. Again, I'm really excited. I'm not sure, but I think Nate knows more than I do. Um, so what does authenticity mean to you and how do you approach being authentically yourself? <laughs> yes. Thank you for, for that question. Um, I was telling Nathan in a, in a Alexia group earlier, and I've been thinking and praying about this a lot, but I think the hardest thing and the most important thing that I will do any day is be my authentic self. Um, my authentic self meant that in that period of really deep struggle, um, since after leaving religious life, allowing myself this time and space to sit with that uncomfortability, right? Learning about my authentic self. It means allowing myself to be super joyful, even when it seems that maybe I should tame that down a little bit. Uh, being authentically myself means standing up for something that's important, even when it's not the popular view. And so it means, hey, saying, hey, yeah, my favorite movie is High School Musical, even when that may make me feel like I'm 10 years old. <laughs> and so looking at like, that piece, I, uh, right, I went to uh, an, a Jesuit school. My brother's a Jesuit. And so Ignatian spirituality is really important. And so as I do the exam at night, one of the key things that I focus on is how could, how was I being authentically myself? Because somebody, right, who's, who often knows what the, what the Lord is inviting me to do. Am I scared to, to pray when I eat with coworkers? Am I, you know, before I eat, am I, am I scared to allow myself to really feel a hard emotion? Am I scared to just like jump up and down like a two-year-old? Cause I'm so excited because I'm going to be on this podcast. Like <laughs> all of the different pieces. And so just allowing myself to, to like first know myself. And I think that was going back a little bit to religious life. I think that's one of the most important things about that time is not just coming to see this, this Lauren that's always on put on this pedestal, but when all of that stripped down, who is that Lauren as well? And coming to first recognize that coming to first see that, and then be able to live into that. Uh, I think it's St. Catherine of Siena says, be who you are called to be and you will set the world on fire. And like recognizing like, how, 
can I be authentically myself? How can I courageously be authentically myself in a world that tells me you need to be smarter, you need to have more money, you need to look prettier, you need to you need to do this, you need to be busier. In a world where there's so many pressures and anxieties, particularly as a young person, having that time to step away and to remind myself, okay, I'm not defined by all of these various things. I'm defined by the fact that I'm a beloved creature of God and allowing that to be the root and the source to say, and you know what? I can stand alone. Um, and I think I've been reading a lot of uh, Brene Brown. Yeah. Uh, it was a book, uh, Braving the Wilderness. And she talks a lot about belonging. And I've mentioned earlier, uh, I've, I've always struggled with belonging. I don't know if I ever really fully feel part of any one thing. Um, I always feel like I'm at the intersection of, of many pieces of or groups in my life. And there was this one quote by Maya Angelou that she said of, I belong to everybody and nobody. Mm. And that challenge of, yeah, in some ways I belong to everybody. And in some ways I don't belong to anything else except myself into Christ. And I think so much of my life, it's striving to feel like I belong. What do I need to do to feel like I need to belong at Epic? What do I need to feel like I need to do to belong on my soccer team? What do I need to feel like I need to do to belong in a religious congregation? And kind of stripping that away and coming to say, Lauren, do you belong to yourself? Like, do you belong to yourself? Are you okay when everybody else, right, thinks differently of you? Like, are your values rooted enough to where you're willing to stand alone so that you don't betray like who you ultimately are? And I think that's just been a really important question that I've sat with. Uh, to be honest, probably one of the biggest realizations within the past year of going from somebody who felt like and was consistently restless because I don't belong, I don't belong. And then just this invitation, Lauren, if you only belong to Christ and to yourself, is that enough? Is that enough for you? And really learning to live into that, to grow into that. And that being a space of rootedness so that I can take sometimes those uncommon paths, whether that uncommon path was, yeah, I'm going to enter religious life after studying engineering for four years, or whether that path was leaving religious life, or whether that path was these various aspects, uh, allowing that rootedness and that center to allow me to be unique, to be somebody who doesn't fit in in all of these different ways. And yet coming to say, yeah, it's challenging. Sometimes it's frustrating, but also like, more than anything else, I want to belong to Christ and I want to be authentically myself. And it's the hardest thing that I will do any single day and every single day. And yet I've also come to realize it's worth every single risk that I take because it's only in being myself and living into that authentic nature of who I'm called to be that I can ultimately give that greatest glory to God. Uh, and if that's my greatest desire, then guess what, Lauren? You better get to discover your authentic self and then you better start living it. Uh, and so it's, it's a process, it's a journey every single day that I falter out, that I fall at, but that ultimately I'm really striving to grow into. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, that was stunning. Um, first of all, a couple quick things. Um, if your favorite movie is High School Musical, you are not alone. Okay, because I just, I just watched it for the first time, and I think it's at least top five for me. I'm a big <laughs> Troy Bolton guy. I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna hide it. All right, I love me some Troy Bolton. Uh, so, <laughs> um, great movie, great movie. 
Um, the other thing too is if you were jumping up and down like a two-year-old before this podcast, um, you should see Dom and I. Um, so I mean, before every episode, I mean, we I, I, at least I get my jumping jacks in before you. I don't I don't know about you, Dom, but um, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> all seriousness, though. Um, gosh, one thing that I love um, just about authenticity and what you were saying there is like. <sighs> I could imagine, and, and I, again, I'm not Jesus, but I can imagine like how Jesus loves. Um, and I could imagine that the way Jesus loves is not, you know, oh, I love Lauren, but only whenever she's put together. Only whenever she's, you know, you know, on her, on her best game, you know, only, <laughs> you know, only after she's had a really good day or uh, whatever, right? Maybe she's super happy, joyful, but no, 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 no. Or, you know, Dom after he's, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know, like, I don't know, you know, prayed, you know, three, three different holy hours in a day. Like, that's, that's the only time I'm going to love Dom. No, it's like this authentic love of like, I don't care how you are showing up. I love you. I love the happy you, the sad you, the... I'm really angry at you, you, the I'm afraid you, it's all of you that he loves. It's not just a part or just like the, the put together version. Um, I think that's a huge part of authenticity. It's just like not trying to fake, like fake it till you make it in a, in a way, right? Um, but there's also like, and I was just talking to um, a focus missionary about this, it was just like being able to let your emotions like, like being able to feel them, but not allowing them to possess you, right? Um, so being able to feel them, but not letting them determine like how you act in a certain day, right? Um, because if your mood is determining how you show up for people that day, um, then that might be a problem, right? You know what I mean? Like, obviously it's good to feel your emotions. It's good to be there. And if that is like, if, if it is beginning to like, uh, you know, impact the way that you treat others, like that might be a problem. Um, you know, not a, not a major problem, but just like, you know, something you, you might want to talk to somebody about, but like overall it's like, yeah, we can feel things, but also still love through that. Right. Um, we can experience life, the hardness, the pain, um, and still be authentically ourselves in that and show up for Jesus and allow him to show up for us too, and be there in the midst of it. Um, and then what you said, I don't know, at the very end, it just really touched my heart about like, it's worth all of the risks because it's not easy. It's not easy. Because um, whenever you are authentically yourself, you are probably not going to be liked in certain situations, right? Because um, the the way that the world, you know, you were talking about, it, it's like, oh, people love you if you're more beautiful, if you're more successful, if you have more followers on Instagram, right? Um, and we just keep, we, we just kind of keep chasing that, like, dollar bill or that you know that that dream that's just like just out of reach because once you hit like a thousand followers oh well why not two thousand or why not three thousand or why not more right and then you start doing things that are not authentically yourself for a certain goal or for a certain mm -hmm. worldly possession right um so it's worth all the risks and it's like yeah you are going to risk some things but you have to realize who you are and that takes prayer it takes time it takes a relationship with jesus because in that relationship he's not only going to reveal who he is but who you are as well 
uh, absolutely beautiful stuff. So I don't know, Dom, do you have anything to, to add to that or? Oh my gosh. Um, I, dude, I, I, first off, I love what you said. One quick thing that I thought of really fast is just like, it's just beautiful because that's the way that I'm learning how to love Sarah in, yeah, uh, yeah. in marriage, you know, and it's just so nice to be able to hear that and just to say, uh, Sarah is so beautiful when she's um, dressed up and ready to go out for this big party, but she's also just so beautiful when she's got the sniffles, you know, or when she's <laughs> a little bit moody, you know, or, or when she's had a tough day, you know, or, or when she's, she, she needs somebody to hold her hand or just to be with her. And, and that's what Jesus looks at. He's like, wow, you've had a tough day. Oh, I love, let's hear about it. Like oh, just <laughs> dive in, you know, and, and he, he just marvels in you. He, he's so and enamored by you and, and all the little um, tidbits of who you are and all the little imperfections. He just wants you, he desperately wants you to give those to him so deeply. And, and just being able to, to, um, to, to desperately want that in a small way with Sarah just shows me how much Jesus is ready to, to die to me. And, and it's just, it's just so beautiful to, to kind of surrender to him and submit to his mission to love him in some small ways. I am, I am curious, Lauren, like where, where did this like um, desire for authenticity like come from? Or like, why is it, why is it so important to you? I think it's always been important. I think throughout high school, there was this recognition and I think a, a real struggle, um, a little bit about my family. I have two older brothers uh, and we were all great at school and great athletes right? Great athletes and, and all of these things. And so sometimes it felt like we're put on this pedestal, we're put on this pedestal. Um, and we didn't know how to talk about like our struggles. And that really became a big point for particularly myself and my, and my oldest brother, Andrew, of we always feel like we have to put on a smile, put on a happy face. Come on, put it like, this is what people want. This is what people expect. This is what people need. And I started just really pushing back against that uh, when I was in, in high school of saying, yeah, this is who people expect. This is who people want. Everybody wants people to be happy, but what if I'm just struggling right now and actually I just need to cry? Like, is that okay? And right, growing up in a family when that was the expectation of let's talk about all the great things you're doing. Woohoo! And it actually wasn't in COVID. We started to have a, a weekly family call. And it was there that we started sharing our, our high moment of the week, our low moment of the week, and our glory story. And it was really important to share that low moment of the week, to share, right, where we had felt broken or where we were really struggling. And particularly over this past year, it's very intimate, right? I'll share with my parents, like, yeah, I cried the entire weekend because I was really sad. And in allowing that, to also be part of my authentic self and allowing myself to sometimes when somebody says, Hey, how are you doing? Not to say, Oh, I'm good. As the expected answer is, of course, it depends on the situation and the person. But for me, it was a lot of feeling like there's these pressures that I have to keep being and acting a certain way. And I feel when I try and put on that happy face that I'm left empty and lonely and restless and striving to find, well, where can I be authentically myself? And how can I have friends that can allow me, that give me permission to say, yeah, it's okay to feel sad. And yeah, it's okay to be super happy. And it's okay to love High School Musical. 
And I think that finding those friends that have given me that permission um, is also challenging, but it's been beautiful. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, when you let your own light shine, you unconsciously give others the permission to do the same. When you let your own light shine, you unconsciously give others the permission to do the same. So if I can be my authentic self and I can say, yeah, my favorite movie is High School Musical. I've seen so many times when now somebody else in the group feels like, well, my favorite movie is Teletubbies or right? something else that you feel like would it be appropriate to say for our, our age. And so recognizing that as well as when I can be authentic, when I can be vulnerable, that also gives permission for others to, to live into their most authentic selves. Uh, and I think for me, it's been a wrestle of where can I find spaces for that? And right, ultimately first finding it in the Eucharist and now trying to create spaces within friend groups to have those safe spaces where I don't have to pretend like I'm somebody that I'm not. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Oh, I, I love that. And I personally am a person that spends a lot of my time thinking that I, I really want to I shoulder a lot of the burden, just being like, I, I want to bring these people so much joy. And if I don't, um, I've uh, failed in some way. And Nate, I, I know that you've, you've, you've thought about this too. And, and that comes from an area of pride, you know, like it's not my job to give these people joy. It's God's like, <laughs> I'm on the same journey that they are. And, and of course I want them to be happy. And of course I rejoice in every opportunity to give them joy. But I also have to come from an area of humility that, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the same level. We're all on the same journey. And, the best way that I can give to them is by giving them my authentic self. And I love what you said, like that courage and that vulnerability and that ability just to, to be who you are. And, and it really does. It's a contagious thing. It really is a contagious thing. And so, wow, I think that it, it that's touched my heart personally. And so thank you for saying that because I'm definitely going to take that to prayer and, and allow it to, to hopefully impact my life so that I can be more full of my own who I am, you know, instead of trying to be other people need me to be, which is so beautiful. Nate, do you have anything to add? Well, all I got to say is there's been a lot of like sickness going around lately. So I hope Lauren, you're not too contagious because like, I don't, you know, just, just let me know. Just like wear a mask or something if, if you don't mind. Um, no, I, I just love that quote. I'm going to take that to prayer uh, a lot here uh, because it's like, yeah, you're right. Um, like the joy of living like out the gospel and uh, like he gives you permission to be sad. Like, I think we were talking to Kobe recently. It was like, Jesus wept whenever he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? There's like a paradox there of like, he, he knew what he was going to do, but he allowed himself to enter into our suffering as well um, in that moment. Um, even though he knew, like, there was going to be joy. There's going to be resurrection um, very soon. Um, and he kind of enters into that whenever we come to him. And right, uh, so whatever state you are in, right? It's just like being able to come and allow Jesus into that and so that he can allow you to be your authentic self, but also to share that with others, right? Um, to show up into a room and like desire, like I think it's a good thing to desire like joy or peace or, you know, whatever it is for other people and to give of yourself, but realizing that my worth is not predicated on, you know, the value that I can give to others. No, it's, 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 it's actually that I'm a child of God, number one. And that I can, I and I have the permission and the right um, to be my authentic self. Maybe um, I'm not, you know, 
super joyful or maybe maybe I am having a rough day or maybe you know a family member just passed away or something like obviously I'm not gonna be like super duper joyful you know what I mean and like pumping my fist you know when I walk in the room like authentically you're going to be very upset and that's okay right letting yourself be okay honestly not being okay sometimes right um there's there's a there's an importance and like i don't think we talk about that nearly enough of like how okay that actually is and, and if you talk to anybody in that room of like you know dom you know you walk into a room which you do a very good job of by the way and this is why i love talking to you every week on these podcasts it brings me joy um but honestly if you walked into every, you know and talked to every single person in that room and and, and asked them you know if i walked in today and I wasn't super joyful would you be okay with it I, I bet I could um, only imagine that they would be so okay with that and that it would actually allow them to show up for you then right because like you know if if you're always you know providing 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 and then you know one day you have like a rough day and then you feel awful about yourself no that actually allows the other person to say no it's it's time for me to actually take care of you now Right. There's like a, a, a relationship. There's a bond that's formed there, uh, I think, is really important. But honestly, not. Yeah. Again, like I said, I don't think we talk about that nearly enough. Um, but regardless, um, beautiful stuff, guys. Um, I wanted to hear, Lauren, what is next for you? Um, what are your goals in regards to eggpreneur, your faith life, relationship with Christ, all of that? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. Uh, if you had asked me five years ago what my five, 10 year plan is, I would have given it to you detailed, very detailed. If you had asked me probably a year ago, Lauren, what's your detailed plan? I probably also would have given it to you a five year, 10 year plan. Um, if you would ask me today, what's your one year plan? Uh, I'd probably give you a blank sheet of paper. Um, and the hardest thing as somebody who loves planning, of somebody who loves timelines and knowing what's next is resting in the fact that the invitation right now is simply to be present to now. Uh, as much as I love saying, wow, in a year, I'm going to go back to Kenya. And two years after that, I'm going to go to grad school. And three years after that, I'm going to join religious life. Uh, there's just this invitation that I felt. Uh, Lauren, can you feel, can you have your feet grounded? Um, and can you be present to the person in front of you, to the work that's in front of you, uh, to this continual invitation of Christ that's in front of you. And can you trust the fact that, to be honest, you don't know what five steps ahead is. You don't really even know what two steps ahead is. Right now, you're just being invited to stand where you are and to allow this present moment to transform you. And I think so much of my life, I've been living in the past or the future, right? When I was in high school, oh my gosh, in college. And then when I was in college, oh my gosh, I'm in a religious life. And like always this, what's next, what's next? That I don't know if I've ever been able to be present, like really just fully present without thinking about, okay, well, what's the next thing? Either that's large thing or like, oh, I'm on this podcast, but what am I going to eat after this? And when am I going to go to bed? And it's just been interesting for me to, and honestly, it's adoration that's taught me, like, what does it mean to be present, to, to just waste time, to be here and now? And... I'm going to be honest, right? As somebody who at this point in my life, I probably have less of a clue of what my big B vocation is than at any other point in my life. And that can be terrifying for a young person that's trying to discern their vocation. Um, but the, the, the line that I often stand or that I often go to is if I discern today well, 
and I discern tomorrow well. One day it will turn into my future. And this invitation of, Lauren, your only responsibility today is to discern today well. Like, your goal is to pay attention to what are those movements? What are those movements when you encounter, uh, right, a young man in the prison system? What are those movements when you encounter a coworker at work? And just paying attention there and trusting that slowly, right, through prayer, through continuing to pay attention, that will ultimately lead me to where I'm called to be. But by trying to grasp onto, well, what is that supposed to be? Uh, often just makes me feeling restless. And to be honest, I would love, man, one thing I love about religious life is I had a 12-year plan for the next years of my life uh, before I would take final vows. And it was wonderful. Like, boom, they're going to send me to Uruguay. Then they're going to send me to Bolivia for novitiate. Then I'm going to make first vows. Then I'm going to go to study. Like, it was all laid out. And I was like, yes, structure. I love this. And to also give myself the permission now to like be in a space where sure I have dreams, right? One of the qualities is I'm a dreamer about how to make this world a better place, but also recognizing that there's still like inner growth, uh, there's still outer growth and the invitation to be present, right? I think of like the Israelites in the cloud and whenever the cloud would move, they would move. And when it just stood there, they just stay there. And like, can I just stay here and be okay with that? And a world that says, okay, what's your next thing? Where are you going to go? Like, well, how are you going to change the world? Like giving myself just this time to be like, cool. My feet are grounded here. I'm present to what's in front of me. And that's simply what the Lord's asking of me. Uh, and to be honest, finding peace in that. Finding peace in a, in a way that I wouldn't have been able to a year ago, that I definitely wouldn't have been able to three years ago but that allows me to be present in a way to people, to things in my life that I've never been able to, um, to bring my authentic self to things in a way that I haven't been able to. And so uh, trust me, I wish that I could give you a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, what's next? Am I going back? Am I gonna work on social entrepreneurship? Am I gonna go get my master's in business? Am I going to enter religious life again? Like all of those are possibilities. All of those are perhaps desires. Uh, but where ultimately the Lord is calling me is, is now just right here. Uh, and there's also joy to just be here uh, in a way that I have been able to have in a long time. Oh, oh my gosh. We just need to give you a microphone that you can drop after every <laughs> single one of your responses. But oh my gosh. Give us our daily bread. I mean, we say it in the Our Father all the time. Don't give us our bread for the next five years, for our next five-year plan. Give us our daily bread. It's, it's Jesus is trying to teach us. He's trying to teach all of us just to be present and, and, to, and to rely on him, to have enough light for the next step and the next step only so that we can walk with his hand. Not think that we're walking on our own, you know, and, and he's trying to teach us how, how, how to rely on him and how, how to have a relationship with him. And you've you've, you've um, done that so well. I, I just love that. And um, yeah, it, it, I, you're, you're totally it's that's that is such a unique perspective to have to be completely content and present in the moment and so countercultural. And and it just shows it shows the strong sense of virtue that we were talking about earlier, the strong sense of virtue that you have because you're you're oriented towards Christ. You know, you're not trying to belong in some plan. <laughs> you're belonging to Christ in himself. So that's beautiful. Um, yeah, I uh 
this I, I I don't know how long this has been, but this has been incredible, you guys. Nate, do you have anything else to add before? I I just think it's 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 absolutely remarkable. because um, we've asked this question to a lot of people on the show. And um I don't know if we've ever heard a more profound yet simple response of just like I'm gonna be my best version of myself today and listen to Jesus today. Uh, you know, and 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 that's that's honestly and, and I wrote that down. The only goal is to discern today well. Um, I think that's the goal for every single one of us, right? Um, so beautiful, yet so simple and powerful. Uh, just to give today to Jesus, because you can't give tomorrow to Jesus. You can give your past to him, but you don't want to live in the past either. You can only live today. So uh, it's beautiful. The other thing is, I'm sure after hearing the story, people listening to this are probably very interested in social entrepreneurship, uh, maybe eggpreneur, but just, you know, getting involved in general. So what, what would you tell people who are like, man, I really want to start volunteering more or get involved in social entrepreneurship? The first thing, so there's a book uh got awesome books there's a book i'd recommend it's called getting beyond better uh by roger martin and sally osberg and they're kind of two of the founding people of social entrepreneurship and so it's a book basically defining what it is through all of these social enterprise stories um so that's definitely a, a book that i would recommend checking out um the other thing is just researching right what social enterprises exist in in your city in your area uh, I'll be honest, they're much more prevalent uh, internationally, but I've also worked with domestic social enterprises as well when I uh, lived in California. And so just being aware of what those are. Um, I often love to donate to social enterprises, right, that are going to have a sustainable revenue stream and continue to create impact. Um, not that there's any sort of, right, we need both, right, charity models and uh, social enterprise models, but getting familiar with those um miller center for social entrepreneurship if you check out their website they have a lot of the alumni that have gone through our programs to continue to see in different countries uh what are the different social enterprises everything from like micro businesses to livestock to like literally everything under the sun in terms of social impact um to see just what social enterprises are doing i think it's easy to look at our world and say we're just going downhill from here but you kind of look at these stories of the ways that they're trying to create impact and the ways that re they're reimagining their future. And sometimes you just sit back and you're like, wow, wow. Like that's, that's right there. That's doing God's work. Uh, and so just encourage you to just learn more about it and see ways, um, again, wherever part of your country or international that you're from, uh, they're always looking for, for people to continue to get involved. So absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Oh Incredible, Lauren. Um, just to just to wrap us up, I just want to say thank you um, for coming on the show this evening, for sharing your story about uh, discerning religious life, for talking about authenticity and social entrepreneurship. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Don, but I was I was inspired. I was touched. Um, I the only thing I can say is I know. Our Lady of Guadalupe was working through you this evening. Amen. Uh, Amen. We'll send it. Honestly, I'm about to go grab my tortilla chips right now. So, um, Dom, Lauren, any last thoughts? 
Uh, yeah, just for me, just wanted to echo the thank you. It was so nice to meet you, Lauren, and I'll be praying for you and fasting. Nate and I will be fasting for you. Um, we'll add you to the list, um, and and um, I'm so glad that Jesus touched your heart in such a unique way. So keep on fighting the good fight. Yeah, and just a bunch of appreciation to to both of you, uh, Nathan and, and Dom, for responding to God's invitation to put on this podcast, to allow people to share their stories, and hopefully to inspire others to grow in greater authenticity, to grow in greater intimacy with Christ, uh, and to ultimately be his hands and feet in, in our world today. Uh, so thanks for your yes um, and for putting this together. Really appreciate the opportunity to, to come on and, and share a little bit of my story. So thank you. Oh, man, Lord, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Um, and seriously, we couldn't couldn't be more grateful that you came on the show tonight. And uh, just thank you again to all of our listeners as well who spent this time with us. Um, we hope that you were touched in some way. Um, and yeah, we just want to say we are praying for you. We are fasting you once again. And uh, yeah, let's close it in prayer, shall we? Uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray enliven our hearts. Hi, Jesus. We just want to say thank you. Uh, allow our hearts to just be so enamored by you, uh, by the love that you have for us, uh, by the love with which you created the world, uh, everything that's in it, even our hearts, all of our desires. You've created us so uniquely and so beautifully. So help us to also love that person that you created, uh, all of our flaws, all of our weaknesses, our brokenness. Allow us to just take it to you, to be our authentic self, to embrace that because you created us, Lord, and you knew what you were doing, and you love us without limitation. So Lord, allow that to touch our hearts this week uh, and to see you and the people that we interact with to bring joy into their lives by simply having a relationship with you and being our, our authentic selves. Uh, help us to also see the need in the world. Because Lord God, we know that there's a lot of pain. Uh, there's a lot of suffering all around us. So Lord, help us to be attuned to that. To realize that we are, we might have our own worries, our own doubts, our own anxieties, but also uh, there's so much so much need in the world, so many ways that we can help. So help us to put our faith, our faith in you into action. Give us courage, boldness, strength to actually go out into the world and to do your will. Mother Mary, just thanks for looking over us. Uh, we love you. We want to give this prayer to you. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. Oh. Through the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.